This Money Wise podcast is underwritten in part by Sound Mind Investing. For more than 30 years, do-it-yourself investors have relied on SMI for proven strategies and trustworthy guidance. SMI helps people build wealth so they can provide for their families, prepare for the future, and give generously. You can learn more at soundmindinvesting.org. Canadian hockey great and part-time philosopher P.K. Subban once said, Life is a chess match. Every decision you make has a consequence. Hi, I'm Rob West. Many of the decisions we make affect us far into the future, especially investing decisions. Today, I'll talk with Mark Biller about a kind of decision-making that yields the best consequences. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, Mark Biller is back with us today. He's executive editor at Sound Mind Investing, where they've made a science out of decision-making. Sound Mind Investing is also an underwriter of this program. Mark, great to have you with us. Thanks, Rob. Good to be back. Mark, we often think of investing decisions as good or bad, but you want to talk about something called inside-out decision-making. So tell us what that means. Yeah, well, it starts with a different way of thinking about how we make our investing decisions. So it's really about the process. And at SMI, we teach our members that they can make most of their investing decisions really with little regard for what's happening in the investment markets at that moment. Mm. Now, I realize that that is going to sound really counterintuitive to a lot of people, but I'll lay out our case and let your listeners decide. All right, fair enough. Well, you have the floor, sir. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. So to start out, you know, we asked the question, where do investment decisions come from for most investors? And Mm. for a lot of people, their starting point is going to be the impersonal outside world. This is current events, blog posts they're reading, Twitter (laughs) magazine articles, Mm -hmm. expert recommendations that they see on TV, all of that stuff. And we kind of sum all of that up to say that most investor decisions are guided primarily by outside considerations. So these investors are constantly responding to data that's coming at them. Sometimes they're buying, other times they're selling. And as they do that, their personal inside financial world begins to take shape. But this is crucial, Rob, their thinking is outside in. So Hmm. that means that the continual stream of outside information is really what's driving their thinking and their actions. And I think that the fact that most people invest this way is one reason why we see so much herd behavior in the markets, because everybody's reacting to the same news flow, like those giant flocks of birds that you see following each other around in the sky. Well, that's right. And of course, Mark, that decision making is only as good as the outside information that's coming in. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, for the other group of investors, and this is how we're trying to help our SMI members think, the starting point of decision-making is inside information. Mm. With this model, the focus is on the investor's own personal financial needs and their personalized long-term strategy 
that's designed to meet those needs. So for this group, their buy and sell decisions are based on what's required to ensure their financial holdings are in accordance with that long-term game plan. So as opposed to that outside-in model that we described a moment ago, this is inside-out thinking, where a person's decisions are primarily shaped by these inside considerations. And that makes the current market information and what the experts are saying pretty irrelevant, really. The outside world of investing professionals really only comes into the picture when a person needs assistance in executing the decisions that are being made in alignment with their own inside-out long-term plan. Well, and Mark, I would imagine that this really helps to take some of the emotional aspect of this out of the equation and freeze somebody up to perhaps have a bit more confidence in where they're heading because we've removed kind of the volatility from the equation, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, most people trying to figure out, is this a time to buy? Is this a time to sell? And trying to figure out what the market's going to do next. That's just a terrible way to go about it. Tons of pressure. You're rarely going to be right consistently trying to use that kind of a predictive news flow approach. Um, so, yeah, this is a much better way to go. Well, how can you make your investment decisions inside out? We're talking with Mark Biller today of Sound Mind Investing at soundmindinvesting.org. Much more to come just around the corner. Stay with us. Siri, what's the best way to save for college? Hmm, I'm not sure. Well, what does the Bible say about co-signing for a loan or investing for retirement? I don't know that either, but you can find those answers on the free MoneyWise app. Really? Sure. You can connect with the online community and get answers and encouragement from MoneyWise coaches. That sounds great. Siri, download the MoneyWise app. Got it. Learn, Learn more, more at MoneyWise.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries enables believers to show love for one another by sharing each other's health costs. Through CHM's voluntary health cost sharing programs, members uplift each other spiritually and financially. CHM is an eligible option under the Affordable Care Act and a Better Business Bureau accredited charity. Interested? Learn more by calling 800 791 6225 or online at chministries.org. Great to have you with us today on MoneyWise. Joining me today, my good friend Mark Biller, executive editor at Sound Mind Investing and underwriter of this program. We're talking today about an article out by Sound Mind Investing recently called Make Sure Your Investment Decision Making is Inside Out. That is where decisions are primarily shaped by inside considerations, not external factors. And Mark, just before the break, you were saying that really the outside world then of investment investment professionals only comes into the picture when assistance is needed in executing decisions made in alignment with their long-term plan. And I assume that means from a trusted financial advisor, right? Yeah, that's right. So for some, that would mean finding a certified kingdom advisor at moneywise.org. Or in the case of our SMI members, they're following the specific strategy instructions that we provide each month at soundmindinvesting.org. 
But either way, I'm encouraging listeners to be inside-out thinkers. In other words, you want to make your investing decisions really like you make other consumer purchasing decisions. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. You know, if your family's grown to the point that you need a minivan to haul everybody around, <laughs> you wouldn't buy a sporty little convertible just because an expert on TV says that convertibles are hot right now. That's and right. so the main point here is just that it's foolish to let that type of outside stimulus steer you into making inappropriate decisions. Um, you want your decisions to be based on your needs at the time, regardless of of what the experts on TV or the blog that you read are saying. Well, that's right. Now, some might be saying as they listen, well, that sounds pretty obvious, Mark. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. But yet a lot of people have a hard time applying that mindset to their investing decisions. So yeah. a lot of investors have been whipped around this year by the market's volatility you know, they were selling early in the year when the market was falling, and then they were piling back in this summer when we had that big rally, only to watch the market turn over and dive again. So that's what happens when you're investing on the outside-in basis, trying to follow the, the current news flow. It's a lot better to be guided by a well-defined strategy instead of being whipped around by those outside-in factors. Yeah, very good. All right, so I'm convinced I should be an inside-out investor. So now, what should I be thinking about before making investment decisions right now? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Here's a checklist of questions that we included in this article that a person should ask themselves. First of all, is my financial foundation rock solid? In other words, am I debt free? Is my emergency savings fund sufficient? If it isn't, then a person might need to sell some of their investments or at least pause contributing to their 401k plan for a season in order to repair the cracks in their financial foundation. Uh, question number two is, are my earlier assumptions about my lifetime earnings, my retirement and lifestyle goals, health needs, all that kind of thing, are those assumptions still on track? And if that's in doubt, it's always a smart idea to rerun those numbers periodically yeah. because those results might dictate the need for an inside-out change to a person's portfolio mix, uh, shifting stocks and bonds and other uh, holdings that they have. Okay. But again, it's inside out driven. Yeah. Question three is, am I using investing strategies that reflect my emotional tolerance of risk? Mm. Now, one caveat here, it's dangerous making big adjustments to an investing plan during a bear market. So yeah, you need to be right. careful with this one right now and make sure it really is inside out driven and not fear driven from what's going on in the markets. Mm. But the goal either way is to build a portfolio that you can ride through a bear market. And that's a healthy inside out investing approach. Uh, the fourth question, are my protective boundaries still in place? And if not, what adjustments do I need to make? So a good example there, Rob, is you know a lot of people own stock in the employer, the company that employs them. Yes. And if you've got more than about probably 10 or 15% of your portfolio in employer stock, that's really risky. So that's yeah. a case where even if you think your company is in great shape, it's probably wise to sell some of that 
and diversify, again, inside out. And then the last one we would suggest is, are you meeting your giving goals? And if not, maybe it's time to make some lifestyle adjustments or sell some investment holdings so that you can fund additional giving. The key is to focus on what matters, and you'll notice that all of these questions are about a person's personal needs and circumstances instead of what's going on in the market, what's going to happen next. Wow, yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, Mark, you started out by saying that inside-out decision-making seems counterintuitive, but so does continuing to invest in a bear market. So uh, talk to us about how that can be a really good thing. Yeah, great point, Rob. You know, bear markets are so scary, and they can be really damaging for people that are either in retirement or getting close to retirement. But bear markets are actually a net positive thing for younger folks who continue to invest throughout the market downturn. And this is where the beauty of an idea called dollar cost averaging comes in. And that is simply when you contribute the same amount each month to your retirement plan, like most people do with a 401k, then you're naturally buying more shares when the prices of stocks are down. Later on, when the market recovers and those stock prices rise, which I should remind everybody they always have in the past, then you end up owning more shares than you would have if you'd bought in an up market when prices were higher. Overall, Rob, what we're saying here is by following this path and investing through the downturn, the value of your portfolio eventually gets a big boost. So I just encourage everybody that if you're a long-term investor, you have a time horizon of 10 years or more, you really don't need to fear a bear market because it's actually probably helping you accumulate more shares at lower prices, which is going to help you over the long run. Yeah, perhaps market requires a shift in thinking because we get so fixated on the value of our portfolio and perhaps we fail to remember that we're actually buying real companies. We're taking a partial ownership in a real company and when the market's down, we're buying them on sale, aren't we? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, if you had a, a neighbor that owned a, a great business that you really liked and they came to you and said, hey, I'm having you know a tough financial time and if, if you want to invest right now while the value of my business is down, I'd love to have you. You know, most of us would yeah. look at that as a potential opportunity, not yes. not a threat. That's so exactly that's right. really what's happening when we get a chance to buy um, you know, when prices are down during a bear market. Boy, that is a great reminder. Well, Mark, this has been really helpful and some great things to think about as we weather the current ups and downs, which seems like there's been more downs lately than ups, but ups <laughs> and downs of the market. We appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Thanks, Rob. Always my pleasure. Mark Biller was our guest today. He's executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. You can read more about today's topic in their article. Make sure your investment decision making is inside out at soundmindinvesting.org. Your calls are next. 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. 
But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money, Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-Day Devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. You probably have a strategy for your finances, your career, even your retirement. But do you have a strategy for your giving? At the National Christian Foundation, we can help you create a giving strategy to inspire your family, maximize your resources, and leave a lasting legacy of faith. To learn how, visit moneywise.org slash ncf. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. Hey, have you checked out the Money Wise website recently? If not, we'd love for you to do so. Moneywise.org. Sign up for a free account while you're there. That will ensure that you get our weekly wisdom email where I share thoughts on how you can apply God's wisdom to your financial life each week. We share our trending podcasts, our recommended reads, our most featured articles from that week, and uh, also scripture for the week as well. It's our MoneyWise Weekly Wisdom email. We'll deliver it to your inbox uh, along with 55,000 others who are receiving that every week uh, free of charge. We'd love to give it to you. Just head to our website again, moneywise.org. Sign up for a free account, and we'll make sure you get our weekly wisdom. All right, back to the phones we go. We have some lines open. We'd love to hear from you. 800-525-7000. Morgantown, PA. Victor, thanks for calling. Go right ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> thanks for your show. I appreciate it. Um, yes, sir. I'm retired. I'm retired. I'm 77. And I'm thinking about selling my property to my children. And I wonder if there's pros and cons to that that I should be <clears throat> careful about. Yeah. What is it you're trying to accomplish with that, Victor? Um, are you wanting to sell it and then continue to live in it? Uh, are they wanting to actually buy it at a fair market value and then hang on to it for future appreciation? Or does one of them want to move into it and you're moving elsewhere? Give me a, a bigger picture here of what's going on. All right. <clears throat> I just want to sell it to them outright so that when I pass, or my wife, <clears throat> that my wife and I are passing, we want to make sure they get the property and the, the the proceeds. They can they can sell it if they want to, but it's basically I want it in their hands to do what they want to do with it. <clears throat> right, but when you say you want to sell it to them, so you want them to pay for it now as opposed to wanting them to inherit it down the road. Is that right? I want to give it to them now as a gift without oh, any money wanting- with them. Okay, so that's a little different. So, yeah, when you use the word sell it to them, I wanted to clarify that. So you actually want to give it to them um, to do with it what uh, they want. And I assume you wanted to, you're trying to make sure that this happens outside of probate. Is that one of the objectives? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then are you also uh, wanting to live in this home until you and your wife pass away? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, so you can make a gift of this home to them and anything beyond 16000 in a single year. Uh, you'd have to file a gift tax return, and that would eat away at your lifetime gift exemption of about a little over $12 million. So that wouldn't be an issue. We're not going to have any gift taxes here as long as you report it. However, one of the primary downsides of you giving this property to them is that it's not going to adjust the cost basis. And here's what that means. Um, when they inherit it, so let's say you put it into a trust and they inherit it at your death, or let's say you do a, a transfer on death so that it automatically passes to them on whatever pro rata basis you want outside of probate, which would be uh, a change to the deed itself, what's called a transfer on death deed. Um, if you do that, then at your death, the cost basis resets to the current market value. So let's say I'm just going to use round numbers. You bought it for 200,000 years ago. Today, it's worth a half a million. You give it to them. The cost basis is still 200,000. So when they sell it for half a million dollars, they're going to have 300,000 in gains. That's going to be a capital gains tax. If they inherit it through a transfer on death deed, then the cost basis resets. So now their cost basis is the market value as of the date of death, that half a million dollars. They turn around and sell it, and they're going to sell it for the amount equal to the cost basis. There's no capital gains because it was reset as of the date of death. So that's one of the primary benefits to you retaining ownership of it and just making sure through your estate plans that you have uh, a predetermined and efficient way to transfer the property uh, after you and your wife both pass away to them and according to what you're trying to accomplish outside of probate, but still in a tax-advantaged way. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. We have a will as well. So yeah. they're in the will, but I want to, uh, you know, I think exactly what you're saying. I want to give them the maximum amount of financial benefit from <clears throat> from uh, taking it over. So yep. basically you're saying uh, <clears throat> do a transaction, but get it done through. Uh, yes, that again? I, I think that's right. So what I would do is talk to uh, either a real estate attorney or probably your estate attorney. Uh, obviously, if it's in the will, it's going to be handled, but it will go through probate. Uh, but it will accomplish what I'm describing here. It's a fairly simple and straightforward way, very low cost. You've already got that will. Um, but if you decide you want to happen this to happen outside of probate, that's where you would do it as a transfer on death deed, or you could retitle the home in the name of the trust and pass it that way as well. So I think uh, that would be one of the two ways to go. Um, and so I would visit with your estate attorney to uh, talk through that, okay? Yes, I appreciate it. I'd be getting more financial benefit to them if I, if I do it the first way by <clears throat> leaving it in and uh, transferring it upon death. Absolutely you would. Yeah, you don't want to do it as a gift if you're looking to maximize the financial benefit to them because of the uh, implications of that uh, stepped-up cost basis. God bless you, Victor. Thank you for calling today. We appreciate you uh, checking in with us. Uh, to Merrillville, Indiana we go. John, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Real quick. Uh, turn 72 September 9th. And I know I have till April 15th, I think it is, to take my first RMD. But the question is, 
do I need to take another RMD in 2023? Uh, yeah, so it's actually April 1st that you would need to take it by for the first one, and then each subsequent year's RMD by December 31st uh, of that year. So if you delay your first RMD to that April 1st deadline of the following year, then to your point, yes, you will still have to take that year, the current year's RMD, by December 31st, and then again each year by December 31st. Make sense? Yes. Thank you very much. All right, John. Thanks for calling today. Well, that's all our time today. But before we go, if this program has been a blessing to you, would you consider becoming one of our prayerful and financial supporters that helps this program stay on the air? You can donate securely online when you click the donate button on our website at moneywise.org. And thanks in advance. My thanks also to our broadcast team, Amy, Dan, Brandy, Rob, Kent, Rich, and Jim. And I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Money Wise. Money Wise is provided by Money Wise Media and listeners like you.